The English language is a peculiar language. There are words in the English language which, if you use them one way, they mean one thing, but you can use the same word in a different way, and it means almost the opposite. An example would be like the word cleave. A child may cleave to its mother's leg. Well, this means that he holds tightly and is not to be separated. But the same word can be used differently, such as a meat cleaver, which chops the ham into many, many pieces. Well, the word serve is also another word like that. Serena Williams will serve a tennis ball to win a game for her benefit. And a soldier will serve in the military to protect his country. Obviously, serving a ball in tennis is very different from serving others in Christian love, like Paul reminds us we should do. But one thing is true. Serving is important in both tennis and our Christian life. Service is crucial in tennis because it's the first hit of the ball that gets the play into motion. You can't win in tennis without serving well. Similarly, service is crucial in the Christian life because it's what God calls us to do. You won't prevail in Christian discipleship without serving well. Of course, we know that to serve means to work for the benefit of others. It means to assist them and provide for them. Service is the act of caring for someone else and doing what is best for them. A server in a restaurant delivers food and drink to the patrons. A public servant carries out responsibilities for the good of the populace. Those who serve in the military offer their lives to protect a nation from its enemies. To serve means to give of yourself and your abilities in order to improve the lives of others. The Bible describes it this way. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. In our gospel reading from John 13, Jesus called his disciples and us to serve. He demonstrated what serving looked like in a very concrete way. It was on that first Maundy Thursday night in which Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. We read how he rose from the supper and laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now this was an astounding act because to wash others' feet was the responsibility of the lowliest servant. At a special meal, usually the lowest level servant boy would be stationed at the door to wash the feet of the guests as they entered the host's home. 
But at this meal, the Lord himself, the host of the supper, bends down to wash the feet of his disciples. Is it any wonder that Peter was so appalled that his master would serve him in such a low manner that he almost refused to have Jesus wash his feet? But after completing the task of washing the feet, Jesus drives home his lesson. Our text says that Jesus told them when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed to his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? I can remember as a school teacher, I asked that question a lot. Yes, the disciples many times didn't understand what Jesus was doing or where he was coming from. And so he calls them right out. Do you understand what I just did to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Many of you know that I was a Lutheran school teacher before I became a pastor. I remember one time when our school, our Lutheran school, we didn't get out for Monday, Thursday. We got out at noon on Good Friday. Well, one time I had a sixth grade class that for religion class, which was always in the morning, the first thing when, all the, when school started, I told them to take off their shoes and I took a basin and a towel and I washed their feet. Those of you who are teachers, have you ever washed your students' feet? It was a humbling experience for me to do that. The kids, it blew their minds. Several of them didn't want to even take their shoes off. They were so embarrassed. I said, don't be embarrassed. Jesus did this for his disciples as an example of how we should behave. So our Lord Jesus calls us to serve. Washing others' feet was just a select illustration of the broader principle of serving others. Several other times in his teaching ministry, Jesus had called his disciples to a life of service. And today, he calls each of us to serve as well. But we've got a problem. We don't serve well, naturally. It's that old sinful nature of ours that inclines us away from serving others because we would rather serve ourselves. And 
Sometimes we demand that others serve us. In fact, this is the very character of sin, to be selfish and self-serving. When a mother asks her son to set the table, his sinful nature inclines him to complain. When an office worker sees her colleague struggling with an assignment, but fails to assist because of the extra workload it would involve, that's sin. When an elderly neighbor needs assistance getting to a doctor's office or just walking out to get the mail, our sinful nature sometimes hinders us from getting involved. All the while, however, many times we want others to serve us. I knew a husband who complained to me once that he expected his wife to do all the housework in their home, and it should be done before he got home. Then, of course, I remember also one time a wife who demanded that her husband should be jumping at her beck and call, and if ever she needed to do, have something done or needed to get someplace, he should have to drive her there. Well, all of those cases reflect the reality that by our own impulses and because of our sinful nature, we would rather be served than to serve. Yet this is precisely why Jesus came to earth. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. Jesus claimed about himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The very night in which Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, do you remember what happened to him that evening? He went out to this garden to pray. When he had finished praying, he got arrested, hauled in front of the Sanhedrin, falsely accused, taken to the, uh, to the Roman governor, whipped, beaten, and within 24 hours, he was hanging on a cross. It was Christ's mission to be the suffering servant as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. He made the ultimate service by giving his life to ransom self-serving sinners like you and me from our sin. The apostle Paul puts it this way. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. By his sacrificial death, Jesus has ransomed us from sin, literally paid the penalty for our sin. As you come to him repentant of your sin, your selfishness and the self-serving behavior have all been forgiven. In his mercy, you are pardoned of your neglect to serve others as God has commanded. So now, 
in view of God's mercy, you are now renewed. You're revitalized to serve. By Christ's suffering servants on the cross, you're ransomed from all of your sin. By the sanctifying service of the Holy Spirit, you're remade into willing servants who live to bless others. I read a story once of an American man who observed the ministry of Mother Teresa. You may recall that in the 20th century, she served the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India, caring for the sick and desolate in the city streets. Well, there was a man who watched as this diminutive nun, Teresa, embraced a leper who was lying in the gutter and cleaned his leprous wounds. The observer, in disgust, he declared, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. He said that Mother Teresa looked up at him and said, neither would I. I'd gladly do it for Christ. She served this leper and others in desperate need in view of the mercy of God. She served them for Christ because Christ had served her first by giving his life. It's for the same reason that we serve others. We serve them because of Christ. And we serve them for Christ. He's the one who came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He's the one who knelt down to wash the disciples' feet. He's the one who told us, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so knowing all these things, we do them. In view of God's mercy to us in Jesus, we serve in the mercy of the needs of others around us. In view of God's mercy in Christ, we follow the example that Christ gave. And echoing Teresa's words, we do it not for a million dollars, but we gladly do it for him. Amen.